Check my statistics If we talking about go, You gotta give me a mention This is rational hour If we being realistic This is rational They said I couldn't do it But I did it work Ethic like mom But you know that boy is a problem Tell me when to get him Then I got him This is rational hour I'm just keeping it a honey This is rational hour Everything you doing I done done it Welcome to the Rational Hour, Ryan, where we talk sports. I have a very special guest in the building, Mr. Akili Smith. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good, good, man. Thank you, Mr. Smith, for coming on the Rational Hour. Uh, Mr. Smith, what was your life like growing up in your household? Well, you know, in the beginning, growing up in Southeast San Diego, it wasn't all hunky-dory, um, if you will, you know. Um, my dad pulled a robbery when I was young. He ended up going to the penitentiary. I lived with my mom and, uh, you know, my mom was going through some tough times. Um, we were staying together to the point where every first of the month where, when she got her check, we used to push the grocery carton from the grocery store, uh, back home. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we lived that way. I, I know what a TV dinner is and I know what the struggles are that people deal with in the urban communities across the country. So I'm sympathetic to those uh, type of people. And then my dad got out of, uh, got out of the penitentiary. And then that's when I went to go live with him. And that's when my sports career pretty much started. Yeah, your father, Ray Smith was a great athlete. Um, and he led San Diego County interceptions one year in high school, mm-hmm. got drafted by the angels in the 73 draft in the 11th round. Um, how big is, as a, black man having a father figure in your life and what did your father mean to you yeah it's huge man you know having a father figure saves a lot of young men life because um there's some photos right now i just seen of some of my friends who ended up gang banging and doing some stuff in the skyline area in the lincoln area out here in san diego that their fathers weren't there for them you know that's what dads need to do they they got to be able to snatch us up and teach us right from wrong and more importantly just keep us headed down the straight and narrow path to make those right decisions. Absolutely. My father was huge in my life, so I know exactly where you're coming from. That speaks volumes. Your father um, was implementing your life. Uh, He basically uh, taught you a lot about your athletic career, um, more towards baseball. Can you talk about what baseball meant to you in your life and how much your father influenced you for your love of baseball? Yeah, you know, it's interesting uh, you you bring that up because – Baseball was my dad's dream. He got drafted by the California Angels, and they ended up trying to pull a robbery with some of his friends, and his dream um, pretty much didn't happen. So what he did was he tried to live out his dream through me like so many fathers try to do. Um, and I went and played two and a half years of minor league baseball, but my heart wasn't in it. And I ended up uh, you know, getting cut by the Pittsburgh Pirates and soon as I got cut and he told me that he was letting me, letting me go, it was the biggest smile I think I've ever had in my life. And he said, what you smiling for? I said, man, I'm going to go play football. And he just kind of shook his head and he shook my hand and he said, good luck. And, you know, I was happy to be back on that football field. Yeah, that's um, a good segue. With, with the high school landscape of San Diego area, there's the Hornets and the Tigers, Morris and Lincoln. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you went to Lincoln. You had a great career. Uh, what was those rivalries like growing up with Morris and Lincoln, the Hornets and Tigers? Yeah, there, there's nothing like it. You know, everybody has a rivalry in all of the states all across North America. But Lincoln versus Morris, which is essentially Skyline versus uh, VP. I mean, it's 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 one of the greatest rivalries in the world. You just it's something that you got to be a part of. It's something that you got to go see for your own eyes. And to be a part of it is definitely a blessing um, for me. What was interesting about the whole situation is I grew up all my life playing football for Skyline. And then my dad sent me to Lincoln, which is our rival. So the first day that I went to school, I thought I was about to get into a fight. But lo and behold, the guys over there at Lincoln pretty much welcomed me with open arms, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, you had a great career in high school. You graduated in 93. Your senior year, you guys got off to a bit of a rocky start, started off 0-5. What were you thinking? Oh, I, I didn't know what was going on. I'm trying to figure it out as far as, you know, what do I need to do uh, to get these guys uh, catching the football and stuff like that because I didn't know this was going on. My head coach said, Keely, do you know that at the end of the year, he gave me the stat. He said, do you know that you had 49 drop balls your senior mm. year in high school? You know, so from that perspective uh, uh, alone, from a selfish perspective, you would wish that your teammates would, would catch the ball. But from a leadership perspective, maybe I should have stayed after practice a little bit more and threw some more balls to them or get on the jugs machines and do some more, you know, catching drills with them. But I wouldn't change that experience for nothing. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough decision. The quarterback, when you think of quarterback, what comes to mind? What do you need to be a successful quarterback? It's all about, you know, just, just leadership and focus, right? Because there's so many different things that, that can happen to you uh, at the quarterback position um, on the field and off the field. You have to wake up ready to lead. You have to go to sleep ready to lead. Everything that you're doing is all about being a leader. And the one time that you slip off of that leadership role, if you will, that's when you can get caught up in life on the field and off the field. And that's what I'm teaching the quarterbacks that I'm working with and teaching my son. Absolutely. Now, 93, you graduate high school. You signed a letter of intent with San Diego State, if I'm correct. Yep. And what are you thinking as far as the draft coming up in June and you finishing high school? Well, I was thinking stay home and, and put the city on my back. That That's what it was all about. I'm, I'm 619 San Diego. Dago is what we call it to the heart. I wanted to stay home and, and go to uh, San Diego State play in Jack Murphy Stadium, which was renamed to Qualcomm, which is now knocked down and they're building a brand new stadium. Um, and that was, that was my whole thought process. Put the city on your back. Let everybody know that San Diego football is for real. Um, and uh, I've been having that conversation with my son. Obviously, he wants to go to Oregon, but We'll, we'll we'll see what San Diego State is able to come up with here in the next couple of years. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good program. San Diego State has been really, I mean, I mean, back in the day, even when Falk was there, to now, it's it's becoming a real, just a, just a great program and a great city. So I think they they can stabilize the coaching staff for with a long term coach. I think they definitely are competing with some of the best programs in California as far as colleges D one wise. Yeah. Now, Mr. Smith, now let me let me just ask you, because you leave, you say you are going to go and then you get drafted. Are you is that a shoe in or what were you thinking? Uh, with baseball? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, here's the thing: when you're 17 years old and they offer you a contract that's worth about a hundred and three thousand dollars, fifty-five thousand cash, forty-eight thousand school, you, you don't you don't turn that money down. Mm-hmm. You don't right. turn that money down. 17 years old from the skyline southeast area, you just don't. So we decided as mm-hmm. a family to go ahead and give it a chance and take the money and pursue my dad's dream. And, you know, it just, it didn't work out. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it is what it is. I had trouble with that curveball, and uh, that I, I still say it to this day, the curveball is what took me out. Uh, but you know what? I wouldn't exchange that experience for nothing. Yeah. Now, you finished your career in baseball. You're a member of the California Community College Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and you went to Grossmont Junior College. How competitive is the junior college football in California, and how much did that prepare you to go D1? Yeah, a lot of people are slipping, uh, sleeping on junior college football. And it's a travesty that people uh, actually do that. It, it's so competitive to a point where you may have some 19-year-old kids playing against some 25- and 26-year-olds who just want to go out there and play ball. You know, um, we had times where we all went to the house. It was called the G House. We used to party together. We did all our homework together. We went to LA Fitness and 24-hour fitness together. We did everything together. And we were very fortunate to have 16 scholarships, 16 D1 scholarships off of that one team. So if you're able to get yourself in the right situation and get everybody on the same page, junior college football is definitely an avenue for anyone. Yeah, it's a lot of great football in California. I mean, Santa Monica, I mean, I, during your era, I mean, Steve Smith and mm-hmm. Chad Johnson went up there. Yes, sir. I mean, uh, pa- Palomar, they had some great football, Long Beach City College, Cerritos, on and on, man. It's 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 where it's at. It's some of the best college football that there is as far as uh, junior college football. No question. No question. Now, what was your recruiting process like when you were leaving in Grossmont? Were you a shoe-in to go to Oregon, or were you considering going back to San Diego State? You know, I, I, I talked to my son about this, too, and he asked me, what was your top five schools? And I, I'll tell you something. I was real close to going to Oklahoma. I took a trip to yeah. Oklahoma out of high school, and I, tripped, I took another trip to Oklahoma out of junior college because I liked it so much. Um, Cal was definitely in there. I got a lot of family members that graduated from Cal. Uh, Michigan State, Tony Banks wanted me to go out there. Tony's from uh, Emerald Hills from the southeast uh, area and then obviously San Diego State came around again but San Diego State made the mistake of saying that they wanted me to gray shirt and there was no way I was mm-hmm. going to gray shirt out of junior college when Mike Bellotti and Coach Peterson at Oregon said that you'll have an opportunity to compete for the job Wow now you get to Oregon what are your thoughts when you get to Eugene and how much was it hard for you to adjust to getting to D1 level compared to what you were at in junior college? Yeah, it, it was hard. And, and the, the speed of the game is what I struggled with, even, even coming from the junior college level. Um, and that's one thing that people don't understand. That speed coming from high school to college and even junior college to college is completely different. You have to be mentally prepared, prepared, you have to know the plays inside and out. And then you got to have the ability to block out the fans so that you don't deal with the crowd noise and stuff like that. And I didn't do very good in the first few games. 
Now, how I mean, Opson Stadium is just it's like a a hangar airplane constantly over your head. That's how loud it is, just from what I've seen there. And mm-hmm. how hard is it to play in Opson? And what was it like having that home foot advantage? Yeah, it, it's very hard. And, and even back in my day, we had a crown in the field to where as you're running over towards the sideline, the field is going downwards. And if you're not careful and don't know how to put your foot in the ground, you may slip and fall. So for us, it was a huge advantage um, that we had one of the loudest uh, stadiums in the nation. I think we're at number three right now. And I tell you what, when they, when those fans get to rocking, there's no place like Odson Stadium. I mean, no place. Absolutely. You had some really big games, uh, Mr. Smith, in your career. And during your time, in 98, you guys beat SC 17-13. Mm-hmm. And then 99, you beat them 33-30. You lost to UCLA, both uh, shootouts, 38-41, to 29-34. Yeah. What was it like coming back to SoCal and playing the L.A. schools? Yeah, it was just a dream of mine, you know, playing uh, in the Rose Bowl. I mean, it was college game day, Keely Smith versus Kate McNown. Uh, Rumi Drones was on the field. Damon Griffin, Tony Hartley, uh, they were loaded with, with, with talent. Uh, Danny Farmer was out there. And um, unfortunately, man, we just we came up on the short end of it. We had some costly turnovers. Um, I didn't play as well as I wanted to play, but just the experience of playing in the Rose Bowl in front of a sold-out crowd was just unbelievable. You know, and then the SC, yeah, then, then the, the SC game is like uh, another opportunity to where you're a part of the 1% playing in the Coliseum against it, uh, a program like USC. Yeah, the Cali is, is legendary. I mean, the first Super Bowl is played there. Mm-hmm. SC has such a rich tradition. Uh, during your era, I mean, it was still, they were kind of transitioning, kind of the Paul Hackett area going uh, from Robinson. Um, and then UCLA was just on the upward, like you said, with Kay McDowell, um, Deshaun Foster, and you guys had Ruben Drones at uh, yourself versus McNown. Um, What was your recruiting and what, what is the recruiting like with L.A. area and Oregon? You know, they put up the billboard in 2001. Is Oregon pretty much on the, the high end of getting guys from L.A.? I know you guys had Keenan Harry and a couple other players from L.A., but that's kind of a hot button issue, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely hot button issue. And you know, right now they call us Skull Ducks. And even back in my day, we had Saladin <laughs> McCullough from Pasadena. Uh, Pat Johnson right. was from you know Morovia. So we've always had uh, Cali guys going out to the Oregon trying to help put the program on the map. You got some USC and UCLA guys getting upset about it, but like I tell those guys all the time in a couple groups that I'm in, you guys go ahead and take whoever you want. We're going to take the rest, and when it's time to line up, we're going to play some football. And that's what we've been able to do over the years is compete with those L.A. schools in the Pac-10 and now in the Pac-12. Yeah, I always wonder who was faster between Saladin and, and Sutan McCullough. They, they both have oh wheels. God, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Suti was faster, and I think Sali, <laughs> Sali, Sali would admit that. But, yeah, that McCullough family, uh, they all got burners. Yes, sir. Um, now, you you had a couple really good bowl games. I just want you to take me back to which one you think uh, you finished your career against Minnesota. Uh, that was a great game, 24-21, a way to go out on a high note. 
you had a great bowl game in the Aloha Bowl versus Colorado, uh, 51 to 43. Uh, what were your biggest games and what, in your opinion, is your biggest game in your college career? Well, the biggest game in my college career had to be when we played Michigan State my senior year, uh, the first game mm-hmm. of the year. And the reason I say that is mm-hmm. because, you know, we go into the offseason, I got myself in some trouble. Everybody knew that I had the ability, but they wanted to see if I was going to finally put it all together. And it was probably the best offseason I've ever had in my life, just because we knew who was coming to town. Now, Mr. Smith, you had some really big games. Uh, the first one that comes to mind was the Oregon-Colorado game. Uh, that was a great game. And then in 99, the Minnesota game. 98, you guys lost 51-43. to Oregon against Minnesota, you won 99-24-20. What is your biggest game that you feel in your career at Oregon was? Well, for me, it was that Michigan State game. And the reason is because nobody knew what they were going to get out of me going into my senior year. You know, I got myself in some trouble. I made some bad decisions. Um, Jeff Tefford came in. Thank God for Jeff Tefford. He came in, sat me down. We had a heart-to-heart conversation. And then that's when my whole career uh, started to change. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but at the time, Michigan State, the head coach was Nick Saban. And they were coming to town. It was Big Ten football, and the Pac-12 is, you know, too small. They can't hang and all that good stuff. And lo and behold, we were able to um, beat Michigan State to catapult our season. Right, right. Mr. Smith, you end your career uh, at 99. Um, What are you thinking? Well, I'm definitely thinking, uh, you know, NFL. Let's let's try to get to the league and – have a prosperous career and, you know, Hall of Fame career, Super Bowls and all that stuff. Obviously, it didn't work out for me, man. But, you know, just an opportunity to play on the the biggest stage and stand on the sideline for four years is definitely a blessing. Going to the draft, there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated with you and Tim Couch. Mm -hmm. Did you have any idea of where you were going? No, we had no idea. We were just going through the process. You know, we knew that all three teams needed a quarterback. And then when we got to the Bengals and I took my visit there, they said, Keely, whatever quarterback is left out of you three is who we're taking. And that's where they stood with the whole situation. So that's what I knew I would be, you know, a top three pick. Now, you play with a lot of great players in Cincy. I mean, Corey Dillon, um, Peter Warwick, uh, Darnay Scott. What are your biggest memories in Cincy, and, and what did you take from that experience? I think the biggest thing is I, I won my first career start against the Cleveland Browns, um, being that they ended up you know selecting Tim Couch over me first, and we went in there and won that game. I threw a, a fade ball to Carl Pickens, and he was able to catch it with the, the one-point victory. So uh, that definitely was one of my biggest uh, career moments in the NFL. Now, the NFL, I mean, with the black quarterback, that's one thing I really wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. I mean, since 1968, I mean, with Marlon, the Magic Man, Briscoe became the first black starting quarterback in the NFL. Has the quarterback position evolved since that since that year? 
how much has it evolved? Yeah, it's definitely evolved, but it's still not where it needs to be, you know. And I, I think that's going to change when offensive coordinators, GMs, and head coaches start to be brothers. Outside of that, we will have some brother starters in the league. But if you notice, typically, we don't have backups. We don't have practice squad guys or anything like that. So we got to get that narrative changed if we're actually trying to make a change in the NFL. Now, you were a big advocate of kind of rewriting the Rooney Rule. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that, and, and how much can the NFL make improvements to it? Yeah, see, I, I wouldn't want a Rooney Rule, right, because the only thing the Rooney Rule is doing is making sure that guys get interviews. We don't want to get an interview because all they're doing is they're bringing guys in and interviewing them for like 10, 15 minutes just to satisfy the Rooney Rule. Or they may have a brother that's already on the staff, and he'll come in and say he interviewed just to satisfy the Rooney Rule. No, we don't want that anymore. What we're saying is that we need guaranteed jobs. We got to have that opportunity to get a job uh, in the league. Former players need an opportunity to be coaches. So that's why I always say we need to abolish that Rooney Rule and come up with something different. Now, Warren Moon spent his first five years of his pro career in the CFL. How big is the CFL in your career, and do you think it's good for players to go to that route and go north? No question. I should have did it earlier, and that was just me being stubborn and sitting in San Diego training and waiting. One thing that youngsters got to understand is, is that pro teams don't want to sign what they call street-free agents. And a street-free agent is a guy that's just sitting at home doing all the icky shuffles and the speed ladders and doing all that stuff is looking good on tape with no uh, shoulder pads and helmets on. Teams don't like to sign those type of guys. So you got to go somewhere and play, get yourself some film, make sure your body's in shape to be carrying helmets and shoulder pads, and then hopefully you'll get that opportunity. <clears throat> Absolutely. Now, Mr. Smith, um, who are the top five players, in your opinion, that come out of San Diego? You guys had so many great players. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to narrow down to five. I mean, you know, like from your high school, Marcus Allen, Terrell Davis. Um, you still got the younger guys like Reggie Bush, Arian Foster. Uh, in your opinion, what's your route mush, route Mount Rushmore of top players, top five players from San Diego? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm definitely going to start with Marcus. You know, you got Marcus. He's probably one of the greatest. You know, we got four Heismans from San Diego. So it'd be hard for I me. I not know that. Yeah, we wow. got four. We got uh, Marcus Allen, Reggie Bush, Rashawn Salam, and Ricky Williams. So those four, right, those right. yeah, those four yeah. right there could definitely be in the top. And then another one that was just a monster at the defensive line position was uh, Leroy Glover. And then obviously mm -hmm. you got Junior Seau. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So from that perspective, I mean, there's so much yeah. talent out here in San Diego. We're like one of the, the best kept secrets uh, out there. And we are in the process of working on a Heisman movie. So I want to drop mm -hmm. that real quick. Yeah. So, be, so be on the lookout for that. Oh, absolutely. Heisman movie from, can you elaborate on that? Is that something that you're working with? Yeah, we. so we're finally able to uh, get the budget and everything taken care of. We needed to get three out of the four Heismans to say yes. Uh, Marcus just agreed uh, to it. And then if you go to YouTube 
and look at the Ron Artest uh, YouTube uh, movie, that are, those are the same producers that's going to do our Heisman Trophy movie. So it'll be Reggie, Marcus, Rashawn, and Ricky. Obviously, Rashawn is no longer with us. Rest in peace. And then after that, we're going to get into the documentary just about how much talent have came out of San Diego as a whole. Okay. When can we expect to see this? Uh, we're probably about eight months to a year away. So we'll be starting okay. some shooting here in a little bit. Definitely look forward to that. I will post that and let people know and let the fans know on the show. No question. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. Now, speaking of Junior, um, what are your thoughts on CTE and the NFL as far as protecting players? Are they doing enough to protect the players currently in the league? Yeah, this this is the safest that the league has ever been. As I just told a kid that on the sideline, and the doctors are sitting there looking at me like, wow, Keely, you're right. And I know because now you, you can't do no cutting at the line of scrimmage. You can't do no crack backing or anything like that. You barely can jam a receiver as he's trying to get open, right? So from that perspective alone, um, everybody should be trying to play football because this is the safest that it's that it's been. As far as the CTE is concerned, you got to remember back in our day when we were playing football, we used to do something called going heads up. And going heads up is the coaches used to literally make us run full speed and go heads up. There were several times up at Skyline Park when I knew I seen stars when I was eight, <laughs> nine, ten years old. Those were concussions. And I yeah. believe that those were the beginning stages of us starting to develop CTE. CTE doesn't just develop in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You know, at least in my opinion. If I'm wrong, please, somebody send me some articles and let me know. But I believe that the CTE starts at a young age, especially for our generation, because we didn't know about the hawk tackling. We didn't know about the rugby tackling. We didn't know about none of that stuff. We used to lead with our head and try to make contact with our head. Yeah, it's it's just the, the stages of, of growth in the game. I mean, from the decades, from the 70s, 80s, Oklahoma drill. I mean, right. I, I, just, I just had Jim Trotter on my show last week, and he was talking about, you know, being at Charger practice, seeing Junior and, and – and, um, you know, McNeil, uh, Lorenzo Neal going head up and just seeing the wars. I mean, McQuarrie, just a fullback linebacker, you know, meeting in the hole. He said one of the fullbacks on the Chargers had a split in his helmet about three inches deep and it cracked the helmet in half. Mm -hmm. And the junior hit him so hard. Mm -hmm. That just lets you know the impact of the game. It's really a just a violent sport. But like you said, it's changed monumentally from back then to now. Right. Um do, do you ever feel there'll be a woman that, I mean, the NFL is really pushing women in sports. Well, can you ever see a woman being an NFL head coach? Well, again, we, we have these conversations and my boy, Adrian Ross, he gets pissed off about it because now it's to the point where women are getting our jobs, right? Because as former players, we're sitting at home, and we got a lot of guys that want jobs. I'm on a group text right now, and it's Corey Dillon is on there, TJ Husmanzada, Tequil Spikes, uh -huh. Steve Foley, Brandon Simmons, Adrian Ross, Darnay Scott, David Dunn, all guys sitting around looking for jobs, and then they give our jobs uh -huh. to a woman. So I don't want to sound yeah. like a chauvinist, but we, we're hoping that we can get those jobs instead of the women. Now, will there be a, women, a woman head coach? 
probably so because they want to try to prove a point, right? Yeah. So they're going to have to do it. Uh, there will be one, but let's just say that, you know, we're, we're not too happy about our situation. So hopefully we'll start to get that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a big thing right now that is going on. It's good to see, but it is. It's kind of one of those things where people are missing opportunities. Now, Mr. Smith, I'm just going to give you five names and just give me your thoughts when I say the name and what comes to mind okay. in a few words. Uh, Tony Jackson. Oh, Tony Jackson. Which Tony Jackson? Coach. Tony Jackson. Why am I drawing a blank right now? Coach at, at Lincoln. Oh, Coach Tony Jackson, Big Tone. Yeah. Oh, he's legendary. Yeah, Tony Jackson. I was just training uh, with his son <laughs> last week. I thought you were talking about NFL. I didn't know you were talking about Coach Tone. No, no, this is just this is just in your life. Oh, just, just in my FYI. life. Okay. Yeah. 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 He was very instrumental in my life back in 1992 and 93 at Lincoln. Uh, I'm actually chain, training his older boy right now who's trying to get into the CFL, and he's a real good brother. Now, Dave Jordan. Dave Jordan. Um, Head Jordan is what we call him. Um, we used to fight him all the time just to run one more play, and he is the reason why Grossmont College is one of the best JUCOs in California. Okay, okay. Um, Rashawn Salam, you touched on it earlier, oh, but just man. I know you play Pop Warner with him. Yeah, I threw my first touchdown pass to Rashawn Salon. We played up at Skyline Park. And I threw wow. him my first touchdown pass. And we went to the cue ball, ended up tying VP, our rivals. But rest in peace to Salam and his family. And uh, he's definitely missed. Mm, absolutely. Great man. Uh, one of the best of the game. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, your boy, uh, David Mundy. David Mundy, that's my brother, man. He just called me right now. That's 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 <laughs> my dude, man. You know, we done been through a lot. He's seen me go through a lot. You know, we've cried together, we've hugged together, we've we you know we've had our arguments and stuff like that. But that's that's my solid dude, man. Yeah, man. Shout out to Dave, uh, Jeff Tefford. Oh my God, that's Teddy. Teddy is what we call him. Teddy saved my life, man. You know when he came when he wow. yeah when he came into Oregon, um, I didn't do too good with Dirk Cutter, uh, being the offensive coordinator and stuff like that. And he sat me down and he was the father figure that I needed. Mm. Okay, Mr. Smith. Before we let you go, um, if you could sit down and have dinner guests uh, with anyone, dead or alive, three people, who would you have come to dinner with you? Oh, dead or alive. The first one would be uh, the Prophet, Noble Drew Ali. Um, mm. I would definitely want to have a conversation with him. Um, we will also have Malcolm X there um, to have a conversation uh, with him as well. And then for some reason, man, I I, I like Shaquille O'Neal, man. <laughs> I, wow, like, okay. I like, I like, yeah, I like Shaq, man. I want to hang out with Shaq. It seems like we'll have a lot of uh, a good time because he's educated, and then he likes to just goof off and be a big kid, man. So, no, would you? I leave yeah. Malcolm S and Shaq. I'll be okay with that. That's what's up. Yeah, but Shaq is. Uh, I mean, he's. He seems like a real cool guy to hang out with. I love watching him and Chuck on on TNT. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, just 
It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Okay. But uh, Mr. Smith, man, thank you again, man, and, and just coming on and, and let me pick your brain for a little bit, man, and, and dropping some knowledge to the audience, man. Really appreciate you coming on. Can you let the audience know where they can support and follow your work? Yeah, please, you guys, look me up. Give me a follow, Akili Smith on Twitter, Akili Smith on Instagram, uh, Akili Smith on Facebook. Yes, sir. All right, Mr. Smith, man, I would love to have you on again, uh, you know, later on in the football season or something, drop some more knowledge in our ear. All right, appreciate it.